we are speaking with Joseph Youssef, who just graduated in May 2019 from Harvard University as a media, journalism, and film major with a concentration in audio production and as an electronic studio art minor. Joseph is 24 years old and has a beautiful six-year-old daughter named Akela. Today, Joseph will be sharing with us his story and his um, journey with Generation Hope. He has been part of the GH community for five years um, and just has gone so far uh, to the point of being named the Scholar of the Year for 2019. Uh, So let's get into our interview with Joseph. So again, thank you so much for being here. No problem. Um, we're happy to share your story, um, which I know will be so inspiring, even just you know to me um, and everyone. I think, like we talked, it's so important to hear this, and and I do believe, um, and I've experienced this in my own life. But witness has such a power um, to to really understand, you know, those buzzwords that we throw around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the biggest one here is, is talking about hope talking about courage and how what's that actually look like um, in today's world um, so I guess I just wanted to start with getting a little sense of what the situation was like when you were growing up um, what was life for you gotcha so what was life like for me growing up um, parents got divorced when I was young um, I stayed with my mother 99.99% of the time in my household, it was my mother, my grandmother, my big sister, and big brother. And then there was me. Mm-hmm. Um, school life, I mean, it was it was interesting. Uh, being a dark-skinned kid in D.C., in the hood, not a lot of people were used to it. So you can imagine bullying jokes. That was just the backbone of <laughs> my uh, upbringing, whether it was from family or friends or classmates constantly dealing with that um I guess I mean family dynamics like my father was in and out of the picture Mm -hmm. majority of the time I mean I definitely try to be a a daddy's boy but obviously that didn't work out so I kind of resorted to just being a grandmother mother's boy Mm -hmm. um my mother was always busy with work which I didn't understand pretty much at the time I was just like she's busy 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 but like I said that just led me to be around with my grandmother majority of the time um, I guess in that household, it was difficult. I mean, when I really look back at my upbringing, I think about the hood, family members being addicted to crack and uh, alcohol and family members selling drugs. Like, <laughs> I, it's, it's amazing that I didn't, you know, become a product of my environment. Mm-hmm. When the streets wasn't giving me drama, home was. Yeah. <laughs> And when when the home wasn't giving me drama school, so it's like I don't know, I don't know. I had to kind of cope with being being black in a way, because my interests, my interests, and I hate it's not even I hate thinking about this, but my interests growing up, I was always I would always hear that you're just a uh, white boy stuck in a black boy's body, hmm. and I was like, wow, oh you speak white, oh your interests are white, and it's just like. I'm just a normal kid who has interests that are not as common as you think. Yeah. But what makes a difference? Like, I'm I'm not different from you. But um, just to get back to the main point, yeah, my, my upbringing was just crazy. I definitely try to see the bright side of everything. Yeah. But reality was always, always mm-hmm. present. How did you cope um, with that reality and kind of, like, you, you talked about, like, 
just saying like okay how did I not become a product of that environment I think it's it's always I mean that we don't know any better yeah. right I mean ultimately we're immersed in that so how you know growing up did you cope with that and how did you find your own person aside from those like comments of saying you have to be this or I don't think I found myself until these recent years like maybe five years ago um mm-hmm. how did I cope with that at the time video games and music that was the key to me coping because when i play a video game i'm always into open world video games that mm. allow us to explore and i used to just develop characters mm. like <laughs> it's crazy thinking about this now but especially with like grand theft auto san andreas you'd be dealing with so much on the streets and at home and at school i just kind of play the game and i'm like yo and my mom like this is my friend we're about to go drive here and this is the storyline's going to play out and this mission's going to do this and then it's like at the same time, those games will have the most beautiful soundtracks. Yeah. And I just keep putting those soundtracks into loop yeah. constantly. And it's like with the creativity of my mind and that music, I escape reality. Yeah. I just always, always, always was glued to the game. Even to this day. <laughs> yeah. I still have my open worlds and my open worlds and ideas to when I dive into that concept. Yeah. And I think uh it sounds like in, in exploring that creativity and having those platforms that were yours, like you can make those choices for yourself and see beyond that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because like I think when we see so much of the issues with drugs and alcohol, that is truly escaping and kind of shutting down. But it seems to me like what you were doing, it, it was in a way escaping because you, you needed a moment away from it, but also creating a path of something developing for the future mm-hmm. um so that's that's so cool that you were able to to find that route and and develop those thank you um skills that's awesome um so what was it like when you found out that you were going to be a parent um, i tell you the day she was born the day i changed i can honestly say that yeah. <laughs> then again it wasn't like i changed 180 but right. i definitely made some progression to like get myself back on the right track yeah yeah, something in, in your mind, it starts with that conviction. Your mind, your heart, your spirit to say, I have, it's no longer just about me. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to change this. And obviously it then becomes the, the building the habits and, and working hard every day to to make that choice to, to love yourself and love your child. Definitely. Um, but, but I do like that to say, like, you know, having that moment to say, okay, okay. It's, it's gonna change and how beautiful that that was the birth of Definitely. You know, the birth of your daughter um so i guess that kind of leads into one of the questions of you know what was uh the turning point for you uh in in making these changes and, and starting to implement these changes so I guess it came after the fact that I graduated, because she was born in 2012, I was still a junior, and then the following year I was a senior. I was very surprised that I even graduated from <laughs> from high school. When I look back at it, when I look back at my high school career, I was like, wow, those grades. <laughs> it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't. Like, I tried at certain, at certain, point, certain points, but yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't me. Um, but I guess the moment changed, or the moment where I decided, where I just, I had to do better, was in 2014. And I remember I was doing work with LAYC. It's a Latin American Youth Center. It's a nonprofit located in the Columbia Heights area. Okay. 
And I remember there was a program a program I was in. I think it was Youth in Action. Okay. And I remember the lady I was working with, working with was uh, Claudia. And um, I remember she came over. She was like, you know, we're this program pays and, you know, you get experience and you, you know, get chance that you have a chance to give back. And I guess already at a young age, I already had this mentality, like, I want to give back. Mm-hmm. It wasn't concrete, but I was like, you know yeah. what, some way, somehow, I just want to give back. And so by joining that program, I got access to LAYC as a whole. I remember coming in just, like, being shocked that places like that even, even existed. And so <laughs> the conversations would always come about, like, whether I'm working here or there, just, Joseph, why are you not in college? And I always say, like, yeah, I don't need it, like going to be a music producer i'll be great can't tell me nothing my stubbornness as well but can't tell me nothing i'm going to be great don't tell me nothing mm-hmm. and you know what time passed reality hit was like you know that's not the reality of it <laughs> like <laughs> being a music producer is a bit more complicated than what you think being a being a successful music producer is more complicated than you think and i was like you know what cool <laughs> If I, can't, right. if I can't That's just if I can't if I can't just rely on my skills, I need to you know bring something to the table. And I remember as a year went by, I think we went closer to 2015. By then, I already had connections established within LOIC. I basically had the whole support of the building, yeah. just saying like, go to college, go to college. I was like, cool. How do I go about getting money? The conversation about scholarships came up, and I was like, all right, cool, scholarships and all that. Long story short, the first scholarship I came across was Generation Hope. And I was like, cool, a scholarship exists for young parents? Like, I was already surprised by young parents, but a program that was truly helping out young fathers as well, mm-hmm. it's like, wow. Because yeah. when you think about the stigma around parents, it's not even stigma. We always think about the mother. Mm-hmm. We always think, if a, if a person says, I have a kid, <laughs> whether it's boy or girl, boy or girl you're going to automatically think about the mother, mm-hmm. always. You're going to think about the mother, the child, their situation, whether she finished high school. And if you think about the father, your only question is, is he around or not? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's just it's like I, I got I to gotta make a change. And applying to Generation Hope and seeing their, the resources that they had and the community that they was building, I was like, all right, I'll apply. And since that scholarship, since Generation Hope, and just being awarded that scholarship, I've just been on a, yeah. I guess, a path to success at this point. Yeah. So um, now for part of the, um, you know, application to Generation Hope for, for parents is, you know, you turn in all the material and then you can, you have an interview. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you went to? So for me, uh, at LOIC, there was a, um, a college career fair, a college fair. And there was a bunch of different colleges, and then there was a few programs. And the person I was working with, her name was Griselda. I was working with her. And she was like, you know, there's this program about, you know, young parents and all that, and they're going to be here in attendance. So when I do your application and hand it in, so I was like, cool. You know, I can't do this by myself. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm still young, and my mentality is like, ugh, another paper, another <laughs> essay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, like, I don't want to do it. But with the team I had, the support that I had, it was like, cool. <laughs> Let's do it. And so I remember having my application in hand, and I came downstairs, and I seen Caroline (laughs) just, you know, sitting at the table just by herself. And I was like, cool. I I don't know how I approached her, but I just remember being nervous. And I was like, hey, you know, my name is Joseph, and I'm here to apply. And I remember she was so excited. (laughs) So excited. 
I remember even hearing from her today. She was like, you know, you were the first father to apply and all that. And I was like, oh, you know. But, um, yeah, that's how that process went through. I remember she was just coming. I had everything printed out. I just walked up to the table. And we ended up just talking about music. I still remember that to this day. We were just talking about music theory and reading notes and all that good stuff. Yeah. What was it like when she said, you know, that excitement that you were the first team to have to apply? What did it feel like for you? So that didn't come right away. Like, this, okay. this came years later. Like, <laughs> but I think when I, when I originally heard it, I was like, wow. Because I don't know, a lot of things kicked into play because I'm like, Maybe just a lot of fathers don't want to go to college. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just that mentality, like, yo, I got to grind. I got to be a person that works. Mm-hmm. Forget it. I'll make that sacrifice while the others, yeah. you know, commit. But I also thought about it as a way of, like, wow, this is this is something new. Mm-hmm. Not just for me, but for them as well. Yeah. To be that first father to, to join, things going to look different to a certain degree. Because when you're, when you're just talking about your program, you're not just saying mothers, you know? Yeah. There's an addition, like, there's fathers here, too. So I thought about it in a way of, like, it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. definitely amazing to be on that journey, to be part of the first class of fathers and all that. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, and I can imagine, like, also, you can, it sounds like you came from such a place uh, from of these people supporting you and saying, like, college is the way. Like, mm-hmm. You can't do it. Um, to then moving on to this program where obviously there was going to be that support mm-hmm. seemingly, but but what was it like kind of saying, did you ever find support from any other team downs or from men that were saying, you know, men. It's, it's about oh you God. also being in their life? Wow. <laughs> That's the first time. I've never even had that question. What did the men think? Originally, no. Any male support, I, I can't recall. <laughs> yeah, I'm the person that likes to remember every and anything, but just thinking back to it now, mm-hmm. I don't think there was male support. I mean, uh, there may have been within LOIC and like scattered, like a little dot here and there, where we'll yeah. talk about him like, yo, you know, next up, and I already know that guy. Franklin is the guy I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but besides him, man, I don't, I don't really think so. I feel like it's... I feel like the further I got into college, that's when the male and peer mm-hmm. aspect came into play and came into light. Mm-hmm. But beforehand, um, it's hard to recall. Yeah. What made you believe then that you that you could do it, that you could be involved, <laughs> Dad? <laughs> what made me say I could do it? Um, I don't know. I I never asked myself that question. Mm-hmm. I love your questions. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Repeat. Can you repeat the question again? Yeah. What was what made you believe, you know, was your driving force to make you believe that you could be that involved father? That you could be more than just a financial provider. My father. As much as I dislike him, Mm -hmm. his image, the way he treated me, was the inspiration to me being opposite. So, for him being cruel and petty and and having favorites of his kids, I mean, it definitely isolated me. I made me feel isolated and a whole other side into mental health. But it just made me say, I'm going to be better than him. Like, my daughter would never, never, <laughs> never have to worry about me 
being like him or anything like that. I just, yeah, he set the bar. He set he set the bar, and obviously I, I surpassed that mm-hmm. by ten. Yeah, I just couldn't be a repeat of him. I know if I ever had a kid, <laughs> I would never be like my father, never. I guess kind of the goal behind that aside from from changing the course of how your life had been. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you have in mind of saying like, well, what is my role gonna look like? What do I want my life? Honestly, I, I didn't even think that far because I was helping on the idea of like, yeah, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to live past 2018, any of this. Mm-hmm. Like, by the time she's two, I probably not. I probably won't be in existence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just didn't think that far ahead because I truly thought, like, yeah. it's bound to happen. It and was, as things were changing, you were like, oh, okay, I'm slowly. working, I'm going to go to slowly. college. Slowly, yeah. slowly. <laughs> Trust, um, definitely slowly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what uh, you were saying, patience. Patience, uh, that's the key. But so once you, you know, you applied and everything, what was it like when Generation Hope um, really became a solid part of your life? Um, how was that choosing what college to go to? Like suddenly all these options and decisions, Ooh, right? Man, I remember that. When I was at at UDC, like, of course there was an end goal or a goal to transfer, but at the time it was just, like, focus on what you have in front of you. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, I was on academic probation for a while, but luckily they had faith in me and saw that I was trying. But I I remember my first year, and I think this is where I got into the story, but uh, I remember my first year, you know, that first semester getting adjusted to college. I think I had, like, two jobs at the time Mm -hmm. or a job. I know for a fact I was working. I was just like, this is it. Like, this is this is college. Um, my time in Generation Hope at that point, I was still shy. To this day, I still am shy, but I was definitely shy. You know, definitely very careful with who I talk to and who I'm around and all that. Yeah. Um, by the time the second year rolled around, I think I was still on academic probation from the second semester to the start of 2015. So, yeah, I'm still on academic probation. But as the second year, as a second year member or scholar, things change. Um, I think at that point, I still had my mentor, Bill, at the time. But I think that relationship just didn't work out too well due to the fact that the distance that we were living, the timing of our schedules, he just felt like he couldn't deliver Mm -hmm. or truly meet the expectation of a mentor. And I totally respect that. To this day, I mean, we're still Facebook friends, but... I respect that move on his yeah. behalf. I definitely do. And I actually appreciate it even to this day. Yeah. Um, but I was getting more involved with like uh, community work, giving back to to the city. Mm-hmm. I was doing more work with LAYC. I was starting to, uh, starting to volunteer a little bit with Generation Hope. I was still volunteering with another program, Teens Run DC, running around doing races, mentorship, and all that. So I was, I was on fire to a certain degree. I was yeah. definitely getting into the habit of like, having uh, connections and good relationships being built. Mm -hmm. And I remember at some point, I think during that year, I remember with LAYC, then with CACTA, it's another organization I did work with, they had sent me to Indianapolis, and I remember I was like, cool, my first time going on a plane, first time traveling, great. I remember when I got back, LAYC was like, yo, we got an opportunity for you. How would you like to go to New Orleans? Mm. It's like, great, I just... All these yeah. trips are being paid pay for, like, nice, nice, yeah. nice, nice. And so I remember before I left, 
to go to New Orleans. Um, I was in my bed one day, this beautiful Saturday, Sunday morning, weekend morning, and I remember just scrolling through my timeline on Facebook, and I came across this Fox 5 article, and I was like, all right, cool, what happened in the district? You know, what happened this week? And so there is an article talking about a shooting that happened. I'm like, cool, I'm reading through it, and as I got to the end, I'm like, there's a name that looks very familiar, Davon Wade. I'm like, I hope it's not who I think it is. Originally, I thought it was my classmate, mm-hmm. but I was like, all right, hopefully it's not what it, who I think it is. And so as time passed during that day, my mother yells downstairs like, yo, you know, Joe, guess what happened? I'm like, what? She was like, Davon got killed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? I'm like, nice. This is that article. That name yeah. is the name of my, my childhood friend. And so, you know, I can't even say the wrong place at the wrong time because he was in his neighborhood. So it's like he's at home, you know, but the drive-by shooting took place. He ended up pushing someone out the way, saving a person, actually. Gets shot in the head, dies, you know. And the messed up part is, is that he left a kid behind. Literally, the situation I was talking about of how I feel like at a young age I'm going to get killed, he he has that story. He pushed someone, saved their life. It definitely hurt, but I was like, cool, I'm going to New Orleans. Hopefully this will be an opportunity to, like, cope with it, right? I remember going there, I was like, I gotta get a tattoo. I ended up getting peace, love, positivity done while I was there. Mm-hmm. I came back. <laughs> it's another situation on the news. Comes back again. There's a person, another person I knew, got shot and killed. Mm-hmm. Eventually, another week goes by, a week or two goes by, another person I knew got killed. Mm-hmm. Probably a couple more weeks go by, another, uh, this time, a family member passes away couple of weeks after that another family member passes away so within the fall of 2015 i had lost five people back to back you want to talk about coping and living yeah. and all that i didn't know how to do that yeah i was afraid to step outside when i say my reality was truly harsh yeah. at any moment i was like if i step outside god protect me yeah. <laughs> allow me to get back home because right now i don't know who's next yeah and that mentality of like who's next i, I don't want to have that mentality yeah. i wish i didn't have it but at that time, it's just like, yo, who's next? Who's yeah. next? And especially because you, like, it seemed like before when you were saying, I want to have a kid, that this is my reality, this is going to be like a sure thing. It was almost like you had accepted it. Mm-hmm. But at this point, is now saying you have these options, you're getting to go to these trips, you're getting, like, this options, life is, is changing, mm-hmm. and then suddenly saying, no, I don't want that to be my reality. And Thank you for tuning into this podcast and hearing what our scholars have to say. There are so many ways of connecting with Generation Hope's mission, so please consider getting involved. There are many ways to do so, including applying if you're a teen parent, as well as volunteering, becoming a mentor, tutoring, or donating to the organization. For more information, you can contact Michelle Avellino at michelle at supportgenerationhope.org or at the phone number 202 656 9539